This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having Jasmine Cho, author, how athletes and brands can leverage each other to create value in the Halo sector. We are a hundred percent supporters of making this happen. And I'm really excited to learn how we can affect that. So Jasmine, welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad to be here. So you're uh, you were a, uh, a basketball player back in the day. So kind of take us back to the beginning and uh, why you've kind of turned this passion into a profession. Yes, I'm so glad you actually brought it back to, you know, my peewee days. So I started playing team sports when I was pretty young. I am very grateful to my parents for understanding the benefits of team sports and how it can teach discipline, working together, dealing with wins and losses, and really just understanding all the different factors that go into team sports. So I started playing basketball at the age of five or six. Um, that was when there were no girls teams. So I got to play with the boys and it was a great experience. Um, then transitioning to, you know, the purely girls teams played through middle school, high school, and kind of moved out of the funnel, um, during college because one, I'm only five, five, so pretty average of average heights. And two was really looking to focus on academics in college. So I went to Georgetown university, had a very short, um, truncated time of three years there, but really then switched over into boutique fitness. And I, so I say that my college time is really I, where I explored boutique fitness and understood kind of like how to transition out of like a team setting sport into an individual one. And then post-college, um, I fell into cycling with was back in California, decided to take advantage of the nice scenery and the mountains, fell into cycling, and then very rapidly fell right into triathlon and went from zero to 60 there. That's great. That's great. Uh, you got a much better athletic history than I do. So let's not go. I'm not going to even bring up anything <laughs> that I've done. Um, you know, from a standpoint of, um, you know, writing the book, you know, what, what kind of brought you into that niche? Because it, what you weren't trying to get a sponsorship or you were trying to get your own sponsorship. Uh, at the time. Yeah. So the book was actually a great vehicle for me to use myself as a guinea pig. So I wrote hashtag sponsored, understanding that I was a pretty young, pretty new to the sport triathlete. And I was kind of exploring the landscape of what the triathlon sponsorship sphere looked like for amateur athletes. And I was not a sponsored athlete when I started writing the book and by the end of it, I was. And so it's actually nice. a very interesting take as to like the, the whole journey as to my exploration, how I really entwined my personal narrative of finding a team that really matched what I was looking for with the larger, the larger ecosystem of what amateur sponsorship looks like. Got it. So, you know, obviously when you've got professional athletes, they're viewing a sponsorship of a professional athlete directly related to sales of a product. Whereas, you know, a, a, a amateur athlete, you know, one, there might be a local connectivity. Um, they might feel passionate about supporting and, and helping someone um, meet their dreams and, and, and hit their goals. You know, if that's financial, if it's a free health club membership, personal training, what have you. So when you break down for, let's say, a Orange Theory franchisee that we know who's based in Austin, Texas, um, obviously a huge outdoor living community. Um, they've got 60 locations, so they've got capital to put towards whatever marketing initiative they have. So talk about what a pitch would be, you know, to someone like that. And then do 
amateur athletes come to you and you're basically their agent and tell us how that works. Yes. So using your example of a boutique fitness that has a couple franchisees looking to really leverage kind of a grassroots ambassador, there are kind of three fun funnels that they can try and pitch themselves to be a partner, right? So there's a monetary compensation, right? So professionals, usually that's a non-negotiable. They Their salary, their livelihood is based on that monetary contribution, right? So professional level, they can argue for that contract. There's the product piece, right? So an orange theory can give clothing, can give equipment, can give services, right? There's a product piece of sponsorship. And last but not least, there is this what I call kind of like a network. So Orange Theory with a franchise can come with this whole network of business partners and other athletes that can help build an athlete's brand. And so these three functions are basically what a business can really push to say like, hey, this is our pitch and this is what we can offer you. And on the flip side, the athlete really needs to be very intentional about what which part of the three pieces is most important to them, right? So on the surface, maybe they're like, hey, like I need to get paid, you know, $50 an hour for um, doing these marketing activation events, for doing these brand partnerships. But to me personally, I think some of the most powerful and overlooked things are the network and also just the product, right? So being able to come in and invest in the community, you grow the whole ecosystem. You grow the foot traffic that goes into these Orange Theory franchises. You grow kind of like the word of mouth as to people getting excited about this franchise and what it can do for the community. And so you can really leverage network effects to benefit both the brand and the athlete. Got it. So most athletes, obviously you wrote the book. So if they want to, you know, get a, get a crash course on how to do this, you know, I'd say athletes uh, don't go into this thinking, all right, let me put together my marketing materials. Uh, let me put together my stats. Um, let me, you know, show someone what the return on investment in me is. So how do you help someone along that path or what did you do for your, you know, for yourself. Cause I'm assuming there's not like a Nielsen database that you can go and say like, Hey, look where I rank and you get X yeah. number of eyeballs because I crossed so many bridges. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the difference between like valuing a business versus like your personal brand is that thankfully there isn't this like over rotation on like, this is the exact ROI that I have to bring in because I think businesses really do want to invest in the community. They want to help um, up and coming athletes and they want to help people that are linchpins in the community. So I have a really good personal example that's actually really relevant. So I am, please a, brand, share, please share. I am a brand ambassador for picky bars. Um, shameless plug. They are an awesome real food nutrition's brand and bar. They do oatmeal, they do granola, they do a bunch of stuff. And they are founded by three professional athletes who found it really hard to kind of go away from the synthetic concoctions of bars and whatnot that actually bring about a lot of GI issues. I am actually doing a one-year launch party tomorrow. And I wrote a quick email that was two sentences. I said, I'm hosting this event on this day. This is what I would like to cook and make with the products at hand. And this is all the recipe cards. I would like you to send me $60 worth of product to service, you know, a small COVID compliant 20 person party. And they were like, yes, straightforward, right? Very Mm -hmm. simple. So for 
you know, not solicited advice, but for the up and coming amateur athletes, the ones that are starting to build their brand and what they can actually give to the, these brands really just scope out their social media. What products are they pushing? What are they trying to do for their marketing activations and come up with their own ideas and just pitch these smaller, like one-time events and see how much traction you can get. Like don't go down the funnel of like creating a big portfolio and, you know, doing this crazy thing that you can't even like actually execute, like start Start small and start to build your traction that way with whatever brand you look up to. Got it. Got it. So in your example that you just talked about, I'm assuming there wasn't like a legal agreement set up. They probably just dropped you, shipped you $60 worth of product, yeah. which is awesome. And I'm glad they did that. Um, you know, if, if you said, Hey, I'm, I'm doing these five Ironman races. So let's say your follow-up with this, this company mm-hmm. is going to be, okay, I got this out, you know, not that you're going to go check you know, the whole foods or whatever, but you know, I've got 20 people that now know about your brand and I'm, you know, I created that opportunity for you. So it's a micro relationship that was just built. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you go and follow up and you say, Hey, look, I'm doing five Ironmans. I'm going to have your logo on the back of my Jersey. I'm going to have all my Instagram, all my um, stats, everything on there is going to, you know, I'm going to infuse you into that. Um, Tell me what, what does that next evolution look? Do you, do you come with your own contract? Do you um, put together some of your metrics? So, you know, how, how do you upgrade from where you are now? Cause you obviously opened the door. Now you're in the house. Yeah. So I'm going to take a little step back just because I want to be very clear that I am actually a team sponsored athlete through a separate brand called Wadi Inc. And okay. I'm going to go through kind of like the three frameworks that I go into much more detail in my book, but basically there's three types of amateur sports sponsorship, right? One is the pro contract that you kind of alluded to. The second one is joining through kind of a team where they have affiliate brands and partnerships, and you basically just tack on to kind of the team establishment. And then the third one is kind of this like brand ambassador type of role, or like this like national brand ambassador type of role where you see people, you know, compete for the Olympics and they're tied to a specific, uh, nationality and whatnot. It's a little bit more fuzzy as to exactly what the monetary and the product contributions are. So my forte is definitely within the second one where I'm like a team affiliate sponsored. So I get all these affiliate brands. And so I am not negotiating my own contracts. However, Mm -hmm. if you do want to jump up into the next echelon, um, I, when I was talking and interviewing with a bunch of different amateur and professional athletes, um, the two kind of pieces, the two kind of ways to go about it is one, you can find an agent, right? So if you want to outsource this piece of sponsorship that you really don't want to do, you can outsource it to an assistant. You can find an agent. You can go down that path. The other way is you really start to hone into what your market, um, your like value proposition is, and you start going down the way of like, you do all your own legal contracts, you write all of these contracts with these sponsorships and the brands that are actually actively looking to get into this space will have investment and marketing dollars towards that. And so hopefully that can aid your relationship. So Piggy Bars, for example, recently signed a bunch of professional athletes that they're looking to grow their brand. And so they're already thinking about it. And so chances are, if you are a athlete that's trying to get signed by Piggy Bars, you don't have to do as much as like that legal legwork because they're already actively thinking about it. Got it. So with the changes that are happening right now with the NCAA, and the ability for athletes to use their own identity um, to their own benefit. Um, How does this, you know, create a wide open market of, you know, athletes that are not just, 
you know, uh, warriors like yourself, but, you know, someone who's 18 years old, who's the starting wide receiver, you know, for university of Alabama football team, you know, he or she, you know, in whatever sport is actually going to probably get an agent. There's going to be a sophisticated, you know, like, a CAA or, you know, uh, William Morris or IMG is going to basically become, you know, you know, treat them as if they're a professional athlete or how, how do you think this is going to evolve? I find that space really interesting. I think the through line is really like digital literacy and personal brand building is only going to exponentiate. So if I am a college athlete playing division one sports at an NCAA school, I have to put on, you know, my, my business hat. And then I have to put on my athlete sports hat. Right. And Mm -hmm. so these two are getting less and less distinct. Um, I am pretty sure that there are going to be agents that are kind of scouting the next and the best NCAA players that are going to go professional. And when you can get an early, it's a lot easier to accelerate that partnership and work with the athlete for like a lifelong partnership. Um, I, if I were, you know, an NCAA collegiate athlete, right. Putting kind of my, my position in their shoes, I would really be intentional about what I want to do with the business side of my career. Right. Mm -hmm. So play your sport, go enjoy the NCAA experience, do all of the things that you're supposed to do as a college ball player. But from the brand perspective, from the business side, I want to start thinking about what mediums of social media do I feel is the biggest bang for my buck, right? Do I like TikTok? Do I like YouTube? Do I like all of these other mediums that I could explore, but pick two or three that you're really good at and invest in those. And once you have those content out in the world, it can replicate and push and amplify your brand without a cost. And then leverage that to go into whatever your next career move is, right? So say Uh, an athlete wants to um, leverage the athlete book and they want to get a corporate job right out of college. And Hey, that's their goal. I want to support their dream, right? Create the content, use that content to up your resume, to get noticed, to think out of the box and be like, Hey, corporate recruiters, I have not only the discipline from my sport, I have this very high, you know, content marketing lens that I can think really strategically about pushing out brands. And I can do all of these things to be very, very successful at this corporate job. So depends what the goals are, but I would definitely like hone in on those pieces. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I'm, I'm well far removed from college, but if there was Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and I was a college athlete, I would almost have to, um, not allow people to post certain things with my, my face on it. If I'm at a, at a party or, you know, if we're out at some game or what, what have you. So how much pressure is there on athletes to basically protect their brand image at the same time, like let them be, let them grow up, you know, let them yeah. enjoy life without having, you know, to have like a filter on, yeah. on everything. Do you view that as, um, how do you, how do you view that? Or how does the world evolve? Is it, you know, you gotta, I gotta protect myself once I get on social media, whatever age that is, you know, you're in protection mode. Social media is, is I, I always struggle with social media because I think it's a great amplification of your personal brand and what you can offer. At the same time, I also feel like it can be very, 
damaging to a person's psyche and having, having their, their digital footprint just out for anyone to, you know, take advantage of, I think is very terrible. So to your question more specifically, like what are the concerns around privacy? What are the concerns around putting out your brand, but also enjoying, you know, your college life and your adolescence um, versus really leveraging the, the platforms? I think, so I'm going to answer this question in two ways. So the first is that if you look at the evolution of social media, so from Facebook to Instagram, and now the migration is going towards TikTok, you see a very community-based, you know, early Facebook, I'm not talking about Facebook now, a very community-based, like, let's just connect to friends and family. Then you see Instagram that's like very, very dolled up. It's, it's the, it's everyone's best, you know, best front. It's, it's everyone's you know, yeah, it's the highlight reel yeah. of highlight reels. Exactly. Thank <laughs> you. It's the highlight reel of highlight reels. And then now you're going to TikTok, which is a little bit more informal. It's a little bit off the cuff. It's a little bit off the reservation. And so I think there's that trend towards Gen Z where they're looking for something a little bit more relatable that they can laugh about a joke together, that can they can do these trends and dances together. So hopefully there's less of that like highlight reel of highlight reel and there's a little bit realness behind it. But I want to take an even like, step back, which is just like for anyone that's growing up in the digital age, it's really like we have to be very wary as a community around what the expectations of their digital footprint and digital life Mm -hmm. is, right? I think they need to be wary that anything they put out there can be amplified and taken out of context. And they need to be wary that this is something they also kind of have to do to, you know, get, get their name out there. So I, I always say that social media is like what you make of it and that you have to create your own guardrails around it. Got it. So, so you, so you wrote the book. Um, obviously we'll put that up on the, uh, uh, on the podcast and get that out to our network. Um, are, are you spending your full time right now helping other amateur athletes get sponsored or you wrote this book more as of, um, you know, like a self-help type of tool? Yeah, definitely education. So my main goal was to educate, to join the conversation, to have the conversations with other aspiring sponsored athletes and to really kind of like put my brain with all these pool of other people thinking about the space. Um, My, I would, my main goal really was to use this as a platform to help like young adults. And last year, my first month's proceeds, I actually donated to Little Bella's, which is an organization to get girls on bikes, especially when you see kind of like the confidence level between young girls and young boys really like diverge because young boys are, you know, at the prime, they're like bouncing off walls. Whereas like girls start to have to take in all of this like social pressure. And so it's giving girls a safe space to pursue their athletics and also build confidence. That's great. So, so what, what do you, what do you do during the day besides this? Yes. So in my, in my normal time, um, I joke that I'm a corporate hamster. So I, um, my main stake is definitely in e-commerce. Um, I am very, very operationally minded and I just love helping businesses, um, and really making an impact through workflows and processes and, you know, all the very boring stuff, but I love sponsorship. So that's why I wrote about it. That's great. So, um, given that you have this book out there, are you, or is there a place right now on the uh, a website that is aggregating 
amateur athletes and trying to connect them as a marketplace with local or is everything right now like all grassroots? So there are certain team organizations. So there, so piggy bars, for example, hired a third party, a management team to manage their brand ambassadors. So Mm -hmm. you see kind of these third parties, like team uh, brand ambassador managements, Um, the closest you can get to, spawn brand and athlete marketplace and platform is this startup called open sponsorship. And they actually match professional athletes with these smaller, um, like not tier one brands. Um, and I think their best success story was they, they matched a, um, baseball player with this like peanut bar, peanut butter brand. And he did this like really funny, like ad for them and they do it by like service charge or whatnot. So, um, it's, it's a pretty cool marketplace to check out. Got it. Okay. So, um, you seem very disciplined and you seem very educated. So you got any good quotes for us that you either live by or that you've heard or that you like, which we've got a, uh, an active quote library or we're just a saying. I think the the quote that I always come back to is really control what you can control. And whether it's in sport, it's in life, it's in work. It's really just like focus your efforts on what you can control. And then that will give you the discipline to really tackle on all the unexpected that comes towards you. I hear you. All right. Well, in closing here, we look forward to, uh, to partnering up with you. Uh, we'll help get the, uh, the book out and bring sponsors and more awareness to uh, amateur athletes, which I will, uh, until I get drafted at age 48 into an NFL team to, uh, be a wide receiver, which should have happened a long time ago. Uh, I will consider myself an amateur athlete and I am on board. So if you have anything that comes on and you get anything that could be a good fit, I would appreciate you calling us. Well, Pete, you're in prime endurance racing age, so never too late to start. All right, great. I'll add it to my to-do list. All right. It was great to have you on. Uh, love everything you're doing. I think it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, impacting one person at a time is the only way you make change. So thanks for your efforts and, uh, look forward to working with you and read the book and uh having you come to one of our uh events once the uh the world returns to normal or if we can get an invite to get some uh try out some new products we're, we're available <laughs> of course awesome okay great well thanks for uh, being on and we'll uh, we'll be in touch okay thank you so much I want to thank my friends at Burn, B-R-R-R-N, for sponsoring this podcast. They are the innovative company behind the world-renowned Burn Board. Many of you don't know, I was one of the top roller hockey players in all of Nassau County back in 1988 to 1990. If I had a Burn Board, watch out, I would probably be an NHL legend. Got a seven-day free trial on their on-demand library of hundreds of workouts. $30 off the purchase. Check it out at shop.theburn.com. We'll have it in the show notes. Use the checkout code HALO and go burn it on the burn board. Ice hockey in your living room at home fitness. Low cost, low tech, low impact. Go Halo. Burn it up.